Damn Good Podcast is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. You know what it's like sitting there, want to go to the game, not quite sure, tickets are expensive, just wait until the last minute. You can get up to 60% off with all the best last-minute ticket deals. That includes Georgia tickets. They drop right before kickoff. Trust me, just go to the Game Time app and you'll see. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. The app is quick, simple, easy to navigate. You can get music and theater tickets there as well. And believe it or not, there's an in-app panoramic seat view from every section. You know where you're going to sit before you go to the game. That's always important. Head to the App Store or Play Store now and download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. Hello, everybody. This is Seth Emerson. Welcome to the Damn Good Podcast. And as far as expletives, we're going to leave it at damn. We are not going to uh, be dropping any F-bombs. We have been told that if we do that, uh, our wives will be mad at us and we will have to apologize at a press conference. Rennie, so watch your language, Rennie. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still working on the wife thing, so I think I'm I'm good. But yeah. okay, all right. Well, yeah, that's that's one that's one. My wife would actually like, <laughs> drop way more f bombs and bad language than I would. But um, I gotta admit, I was a little uh, I was a little surprised. I was sitting to Kirby's right there the other day at the press conference, and the thing was wrapping up, and he just kind of dropped that in there. And I thought for a second, was like, did he use that word? Uh, did he realize that all these cameras were here? And oh, um, man. Yeah, I thought it was funny. It is funny. I mean, you got you got to remember too. Most of, um, I mean, nobody's in the locker rooms out there. The games, uh, big games, uh, like that, or like those emotional wins where, you know, you go in and and first thing you're thinking about is celebrating, jumping around with the guys. Like, his, I'm sure yeah. his blood was still pumping from that moment, and he just got caught up like that adrenaline rush and just the you know the emotions of it all. He just it happens, man. It, it happens. Like, uh, yeah, he's been really – I mean, obviously, Kirby cusses a blue streak during games on the sidelines. And oh, yeah. You don't have to be much of a lip reader to be able to tell that. And, All right. You can't just you shut know, that I mean, up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know how that is in the locker room. But uh, he's been really good over four years of compartmentalizing and, and coming out there. You know, and the, the players come out first and do their interviews, so he has even more time to – to you know shut it down and, and this was the tail end of the press conference but yeah i mean i think it was kind of an example of how pumped he was to get this win and to be at this point i i wrote about this in my postgame story but i i think that i think for a while rennie there was something missing with this team they have all the talent in the world not all the talent that they could have but pretty close to it they've got all this depth they've got this great o-line they've got this veteran quarterback They've got these five stars all over the place, but they were missing something. Clearly, you're not, you, you don't have all the ingredients. You don't have all the intangibles if you lose it, lose it home to South Carolina and you kind of muddle your way. And, and, and it wasn't just offensive problems, play calling, what everyone wanted. There, there was something missing. And I don't know, getting booed by the home fans against Kentucky might have been the best thing that happened to this team. And, and if they can pull through this, 
and end up going all the way, or at least beating LSU after beating Texas A&M and Georgia Tech, presuming they do that, then they can look back and say that South Carolina loss didn't hurt them and was a good thing because I think it gave them this chip on their shoulder that that they needed. It provided that thing that they were missing. Yeah, and I know we talked about that a lot last week, just you know, with the the bluing, with the you know the the losses, the uh, early on losses. But you definitely need something like that, that spark, um, you know, that uh, kind of wake up call, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, man. Every great team, I feel like, has it at some point in season. Some teams it happens during training camp. Some teams it happens early on in the season. But you definitely need that, and especially when you talk about playing in the SEC, where you can't ever get a week off, and you know, with as high as we were ranked, you have the uh, propensity to sometimes get a little bit complacent or, or rest in the talent because we all knew, knew you know, the, the five stars, the level of talent we had, the guys we had coming back. So, yeah, you're right. I, I think um, definitely when we look back on this season, man, it, it'll be those crucial moments, you know, the, the booing, but then also the loss. The loss will always wake you up, man. It always you know, get you back to the drum board and just those the, the underperformances that we've had too, I think have, have all, all come together to uh, really help us. And I think another thing that we look back on too is that the bye week that we had um, before Florida, because I think that was a big turning point, just getting the chance to hit a re- hit the reset button and come back on fire. And um, yeah, I'm loving what I'm seeing. And, but let me ask you, like, are you loving what you're seeing with the offense? Uh I mean, I, I think, and we can get to the defense because you and I have both been skeptical of the defense, and I'm. I, I think at this point we have to say, like, all right, we're 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 in. We we believe now, okay. But with the offense, they the most incredible stat, Rennie, from that game was I think it's uh, 231 yards on the three drives that they scored touchdowns, and then like 21 yards on the other nine. Or mean other twelve it may be, and nine three and outs, two yards in the fourth quarter, but it's still effective. They still win the game because a they have a good defense, which I think does affect how they play offense. As in, they know they don't have to try and score a touchdown on every drive. Um, they don't, and that leads to not turning the ball over, which is the key thing. I mean, that's the only way you win on the road against the top fifteen team with having nine three and outs is having a three and get off the field don't you know give your punter a chance to flip the field um but i mean what do you think is this is this sustainable or you know is 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 this just the formula or is this going to catch up to them or what do you think man honestly it, it is week to week man it's one of those things that you know when you do go into an opponent stadium you have to be able to execute but you're going to have those times where you have to lean on each other so sometimes the, the offense is going to have their day uh, obviously, the defense um, really did a good job of, of sustaining them when we did have those three and outs. Um, but it all has to come together, man. And, and um, you know, I think when you look at the, the game of football overall, like that's just how it works. That's the formula. If the defense is having having a, a good day, you know, awesome. You know, they, they kind of take things over and the offense is able to trust them and um, to have that uh, realization knowing, like you said, that they don't have to go in and do everything, which you shouldn't want to be in that mindset anyways. You know, that's when you get into problems is, as a team is when the quarterback or, you know, whoever it is feels like they have to go over and above to um, get the win, you know, um, in, in terms of like going outside of just what the coach is coaching them to do. 
You know, you never want to get to that standpoint where everybody's trying to, you know, operate outside of their responsibilities uh, to get that one. So I think when we're, we're in a good place right now, I think they are really establishing that trust uh, for each other. And then also one thing, you know, you kind of mentioned early on, what we were kind of missing, I think, is that killer instinct. You know, and I really think that we're, we're starting to develop that uh, more so uh, on, on defense, you know, really being dominant consistently because that, you know, I never really did doubt the defense's ability. My thing was, you know, in those crucial moments, you know, can they limit the explosive plays? Um, can they do what they need to do to, you know, make those big plays when it matters most? And I think they've shown it time and time again that they, they can. Like, they're playmakers. They rise to the occasion that they're resilient. Um, so, yeah, love, love where this team is heading. And then the offense as well. Like, when they need a big play, they, you know, nine times out of ten, they're going to come through. And I love what I'm seeing from the young guys right now, Dominique Blaylock, even uh, Trayvon Walker. Uh, stepped up big, uh, Eli Wolf. Like all these guys are starting to really develop that uh, that right mindset to uh, have that killer instinct and make plays when we need to make it. The, the offense and the defense are also in sync, right? Um, I don't know how much you've you've talked to people uh, behind the scenes, and uh, but going on like my own interactions with players and interviews, I wrote about this. By the way, this needs to be a new drinking game when on the show I say, I wrote about this. I had <laughs> yeah. a story about this, blah, blah, blah. I, I keep doing this. I'm sorry. I know, oh, but it's just, it's what I do. But I did write about this. Like what stuck out to me was I'm, I'm talking to J.R. Reed, even though I wrote about it. Let me set the scene. So I'm talking to J.R. Reed in the interview area and we're leaning up against a wall and Jake Fromm's in the corner with his usual, like Jake Fromm, horde of media around him. So I try not to go into the horde. I try to talk to players when there's at most like two or three other people around him. And in this case, I think it was just me and JR at this point. And, um, you know, he, he said the thing about, you know, we ignore the noise, whatever. Um, and I, I think I talked to him about what we were talking about earlier about the chippiness. And, and he made a point of saying, you know, we heard the doubters. We knew that they were doubting my man over there. And he nodded over at Jake Fromm. That's a safety, you know, a defensive player coming to the unprompted defense of a quarterback. And that, to me, points to there's something real here. It's another to go – I'm not going to go on a damn good tangent here, but it's another example of why people that say Georgia made a mistake by letting Justin Fields go don't understand the dynamic on this team. Like, Jake Fromm has the support of this locker room from everything I've been able to tell. And they couldn't just – you know, ditch him in favor of Justin Fields. Um, but there's there, what I mean, I, I've covered teams at Georgia, and I think people know which particular team I'm talking about, where one unit was doing much better than the other, and that created friction, if not in the locker room, on the coaching staff. But the dynamic is different this year because the defense was supposed to be the one that was carried by the offense for a little bit. It's flipped, but the defense doesn't have that like anger at the offense at having to carry them. They're, they're kind of happy to be doing what they're doing and patiently saying the offense will get there. The offense will get back. We know they've got too much. And that's a good dynamic to have. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. You're exactly right. Whenever there's that friction uh, where it's like, Oh, the, you know, the offense didn't show up or, you know, you can kind of see it when teams have that uh, dynamic too, where it's like defense makes a stop. Offense gets in there, they go three and out, and you kind of see the frustration uh, with the opposite uh, end of the 
you know, the, the whether it's the defense or the special teams, they can kind of show that frustration, which over time wears down the overall morale of the team. But, yeah, you're right. I think everybody on this team just has that next play mentality. Hey, if this doesn't work out, we're going to bounce back. And that's part of that resilience that I kind of talked about. And that's, you know, that's been built you know through Kirby. That's kind of a recurring theme throughout uh, the, the team, through every player. You can see it. You know, Jake Fromm, he uh, – does nothing but just goes out there and does his best. I mean, all these guys are great uh, kids full of character, and that's the most important thing, I think. And when you talk about the Justin Fields of the world, um, which everybody can say, oh, who we should have kept, who we should have let go, but it's about much more than talent when you're at this level. So much more about mentality. It's so much more about camaraderie, belief, um, just that chemistry. Those are the things that really set you apart, and I think, we're really clicking at the right moment. Every guy, you know, knows his place. There's no prima donnas on this team. Uh, everybody mm-hmm. celebrates one another. Like, you know, even with the running backs, I mean, you get very easy to get into a situation where guys are angry because they're not getting as many touches. You know, uh, we rotate a lot of guys defensively, but you don't see any dynamic where there's any frustration or uh, any type of, hey, I'm not getting uh, enough playing time or whatever it is. Everybody's showing up and doing what they need to do, and that's that's the recipe for a great solid team you're right about the defense and, and i think uh and and you and i have i think from the very first show we did together we've been on the same page questioning this defense and kind of saying i you know i i don't know they've you know they haven't really faced anybody that good and they've got some youth and weak spots the the nickel and the dime spots the other cornerback spot and look i Joe Burrow is going to be the best quarterback they've faced. And arguably, I mean, there's a chance that the best quarterback they're going to face this year is, to this point, is going to be the one they see Saturday in Kellen Mond against Texas A&M. He's actually going to be, I believe, the first quarterback, starting quarterback they faced this year, who was also the team's starting quarterback last year. Um, even with all the backup quarterbacks they faced, Bo Nix was not a backup quarterback, but he's a freshman. Um, Vanderbilt. They faced their starting quarterback in the opener, but he was a new starter. Um, Ian Book, actually, it, okay, Ian Book was Notre Dame starter last year. So he, Kellen Mond will be the first SEC quarterback they've faced, who was a team starter last year. So, you know, that's another gauge. But I, I guess what I was looking at, and I guess my skepticism, a lot of it came from the the lack of a star on this unit, the lack of a – you know, DeAndre Baker, Roquan Smith, Jarvis Jones, Leonard Floyd type. They, they've got guys that I think are going to be first-round picks, All-America candidates down the line, like Jordan Davis springs to mind, Eric Stokes um, you know, next year, so many sticks around, guys like that. Uh, Richard LeCount, if he sticks around for a senior year. But they've you touched on it, Rennie. They succeed because of their, their depth, a lot of it. I mean, they – they go, I think, about 24 deep. They're bringing Nicobe Dean, who is another one of those guys who's down the line, going to be a star. They bring him off the bench, and he's their third down inside linebacker, and he does great. They're not just – they're they've got a great situation at key spots. Inside linebacker, they've got Tay Crowder and Monty Rice, two savvy veterans, and then they're able to bring them off the field and not lose a beat because they've got a five-star freshman in Nicobe Dean who not only is has raw talent – but he's got a good mind on his shoulders. He already seems to – you watch him, he, he sits in the middle of the field and his eyes are in the right spot. Um, and, and they've got that situation 
at outside linebacker too in the defensive line they just they really improved they're really they're rolling in guys that just know what they're doing and seem to make plays you mentioned Trayvon Walker Kirby said the other night we got to figure out a way to get him on the field well you know one of the problems with getting Trayvon Walker on the field Malik Herring's playing too well so that's what they've got going on on this defense and I guess I underestimated the effect that having just this depth you know and, and everything and you know, you got to credit to Dan Lanning, Kirby Smart, uh, th- this whole defensive staff too for for the way they've managed everything. Yeah, w- without a doubt, and that that can be a challenge um, at times when you have so much depth and uh, knowing where to to get guys to uh, position them to be the most effective. But I think, like you said, they're doing a, a great job, and the overall collective mentality of this team is, like I said, it's that next play mentality. It's you know, no prima donnas, no no. Uh, big star is just by committee. And so everybody, regardless if they get one play, five plays, uh, everybody's doing the best that they can. And they're competing amongst each other consistently. That's, that's the beautiful thing to see. Nobody, I feel like, on this team can really get comfortable, you know, even at the defensive back position or whatever it is because they're shifting guys around. Um, they're keeping guys fresh. And I can guarantee if you go into any practice, like, they're still competing. Like, they're still doing drills to keep them fresh, um, which is, is great, especially getting down the line. Um, you're starting to see these younger guys emerge. Like you said, Nicobe Dean, um, love seeing him out there and just seeing him make plays. And he, he really is, like, already starting to progress. I mean, he reminds me a lot of myself, like, this uh, at this time of the year where things are really starting to click. He's starting to make a few plays and get that confidence. And he's a guy that, um, you know, God forbid, uh, you know, Tay Crowder or anybody goes down, he could easily fit in there and, um, you know, start making plays, man. But like you said, there's so much depth on this team. That's the the exciting thing is, and I still feel like we have even more young guys, uh, five star athletes, whoever, uh, on this team that haven't even really gotten that opportunity yet. Who could be better than a lot of guys on the field uh, right now? And we just don't even know. Um, so I think this this team just has so much potential, man. And, and we're going to continue to see it uh, with this game coming. Uh, and with the rest of this season, they, they can only continue to go up. And I think they're really starting to gel and peak at the right moment. And they're believing each other. You can really see it. So I think uh, – and then the, the good thing, too, going into this game is they've already been through that experience of uh, kind of, I feel like, you know, getting comfortable in their success. So mm-hmm. I think that for the young guys especially, young guys – veterans um but most especially the young guys they kind of get have an understanding of uh the grind of playing in the sec which is a whole nother deal is getting you know the week to week knowing and understanding that you can't take any days off you can't take any breaks whether it's florida or whether it's you know south carolina or texas a&m so i think they all have that understanding of the task at hand uh week to week now more than ever which is going to help them to not have any surprises any any type of you know, lacking in performance. So I think we're going to see uh, even more of an improvement coming this Saturday. Yeah, the the peaking at the right time thing. There's a we, – we have a tendency to always compare these teams to Kirby's past teams. Um, I, I don't think it compares to 2017 because that team was kind of great from the start and they had one bad day at Auburn, which was easy to see. It compares a little bit to 2018, um, where but still, that team lost badly at LSU, which was easy to see. 
I, 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 in a lot of ways, I compare this to Georgia's 2012 team, which lost at South Carolina, which was a much better South Carolina team than this year's South Carolina team is. But that was another no-show by that Georgia team. And the offense after that slogged along for a little bit. Or no, the defense did. You know, the offense was carrying that team. So you had one unit kind of carrying it. Um, But then after Sean Williams unloaded publicly on the defense and said they were playing soft, they got it going against Florida and just kept going up until the SEC championship game and nearly knocked off Alabama. People forgot Alabama was a big favorite that game, and Georgia just played much better than anyone anticipated. And I, 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 I that's there's some care, comparisons with this year's team, which not playing that well, a player calls out the unit. That was DeAndre Swift this time um, calling out the offense. And they're continuing to get better. And, and in both instances, it started with the Florida game. And this team now, twice in three weeks, has you know, not on the road against Florida, but has gone away from home and gotten a big win against a good opponent. And like you said, there's a lot of evidence they, they're they peaking at the right time. Will it be enough to, to beat LSU? We'll see. LSU is really good. But you look at that LSU defense and say, well, Georgia's got a chance. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, SEC, um, you, you always got a chance, man. Uh, that's just what I believe. It doesn't matter, you know, what opponent we're playing. And honestly, when you when you face a team like LSU, it puts everybody on guard. So that week preparing, uh, you better believe the scout team is going to be on fire. You know, everybody's just going to be in tune, uh, which can help. You know, it elevates everybody's play. It's, just, it's no different than... Um, you know, when you had South Carolina who was preparing for us, they know that they knew what everybody was saying. They knew the expectations and whatnot. And it just pretty much uh, created this mentality where they became a whole new team overnight. And I think the same uh, the same is, is true. You know, when you look at Georgia getting ready to play uh, LSU or when we do get ready to play them, uh, it's the, the whole stage will be set. I mean, everybody's going to be locked in. Focus. Everybody knows, you know, they're they're playmakers. There's no surprises. There's, you know, you know what you're gonna get, and you know the the level of play that you need to have, which I feel like, uh, like I said, it just ups your level of concentration, of focus that week, uh, making sure that you know your keys even more. You know that it's gonna be on the grand stage. So if you slip up, everybody everybody's gonna see it. I mean, we we call that as players, we call that a money game. You know, <laughs> like you know, if you ball out in this game, like your stock is gonna raise i mean just keeping it real because we're all trying to um you know progress in our futures and, and have an opportunity to play at the next level and you know that going into this game that this is one of those games that everybody's going to be watching and not from a pressure standpoint but from an opportunity standpoint um to set yourself apart so all those uh, little things matter man uh, that that really helps you set yourself apart when you're getting ready for a game like that but knowing this team they're focused on this next one which is texas a&m because they're not thinking for a second that they can just coast through and they're going to just magically appear at LSU because this could very easily turn into one of those games where we lose a couple players uh, through, through injuries, you know, knock on wood. But uh, if they go in lax at, at any moment, I mean, this is one of those times where, you know, you can have the injuries that affect the rest of the season. So, um, yeah, I think that the onus and the uh, focus is going to be on really executing, taking it a step further uh, with this game and keeping that momentum going. 
the uh, yeah the injury thing's interesting because they're they're banged up on the O line and now when Ole Miss is running through LSU like a sieve like they were the other day. Um, you kind of look at the O-line and say, well, maybe not as big a deal, but I, I think they're going to need to score on as many offensive possessions as possible. So uh, I, it sounds like, and we didn't get practice access on Monday, but it sounds like Cade Mays and Ben Cleveland um, won't practice much this week, which means they could be questionable. I mean, th- those guys ended up both going out, uh, and Jamari Sawyer finished the game. But they they need to get healthy there. Lawrence Cager, I think we're just kind of in a situation here where you're not I, – I don't know that you can depend on him too much. He's got a separated shoulder that keeps acting up. Um, this might be three times now he's had to leave a game because of it. And I guess it's the kind of thing where you can put him out there um, and try to play through it, but you can't go in and game plan assuming he'll be there all four quarters. He, what you get is extra from him, which is why it's good that guys like Dominic Blaylock are stepping up. Uh, George Pickens only had one catch the other night, but um, you, you know what you can get out of him. Um, but they need some other guys to step up. And that that's that's something, you know, Rennie, DeAndre Swift in a lot of ways is carrying this offense um, and the O-line. I mean, let's not take for granted what Andrew Thomas and, and Isaiah Wilson, but especially Andrew Thomas do. But I uh, watching – film and watching games in person yeah the receivers just aren't getting much separation and that does I talked to Terrence Edwards about it earlier in the season and and he kind of you know I I know he's a former receiver so he's a little bit um he's a little bit subjective about it but he did basically say that I think they need to do more to get them open um, and Jake needs to have a little bit more trust in these guys. So I, I think it's not as simple as saying that the receivers aren't good, the receivers aren't experienced, but they've got to figure that out because they're not going to be able to just run the ball the rest of the way. Uh, whether it's LSU or, by the way, if they get by LSU and get into the playoff, they're going to be facing probably either Clemson or uh, Ohio State, which have the two best defenses in the country. So you're going to need to pass the ball at some point. Um, and so I think they've got to figure that out. And I think they've got to figure it out, unfortunately, without being able to depend on their best receiver, Lawrence Cager. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. And I, I think um, with Lawrence Cager kind of being questionable, it, it is going to end up being an advantage because, and why I say that is because, like you said, it gives guys like uh, Don Blaylock, um, you know, and, and the rest of the young guys, uh, Robertson, um, Pickens, it gives those guys a chance to develop. And when we do get to that point, whether Cager is there or not, they'll have that chemistry that's built with Fromm, um, which is going to be so important down the stretch. And I like uh, the fact that we I – love, I love when we take that balanced approach. So making sure that we are sticking to um, getting swift the ball, but at the same time, you know, mix, having that balanced approach where we're still passing the ball, we're still getting the ball to our playmakers. So, uh, And I think the, the coaches, too, are still – like early on in the season, you can tell we are still trying to – find our identity as an offense, you know, and, and one week we're mixing things up. Next week we're really conservative. So I think, um, you know, as we go on these next couple of weeks, we're really going to have to start to get on that strive, like you said, of just developing that strong chemistry uh, across the board, which you can kind of see. I mean, we're getting the tight ends a little bit more involved, like Eli Wolf made a couple big plays, Charlie Warner. So we, we're able to mix it 
up a bit. And I think we have to con uh, continue to build that balanced approach, making sure that we're not just dependent on one guy, like you said, because we don't know if uh, Cage is going to be there or not. I'm I'm thinking that he is down the stretch, um, you know, because we are going to get that time, especially once we get mm -hmm. through LSU. Uh, but, you know, time, it's kind of one of those things time will tell. Um, but he, one thing's for sure, Cage is a tough dude. Um, yeah, he, he's just, I mean, yeah, he amazes me the things that he's able to do when he's on the field, uh, even when he is dealing with those injuries. I mean, he's he's bounced back week to week. It's not easy at all uh, to take to do what he's been able to do. And then um, similar to what I said about the defense, how guys just step in there and are ready to make plays. I feel like the same thing is true with the offense. You know, no matter who we have out there, guys are ready to step in and, and do their part. So whether that's uh, Don Blaylock, George Pickens, like all these guys are hungry. And I think just waiting for opportunities, even when you look at the running back position, when we take Swift out, you know, you got 3-5 who steps in there and makes a play uh, when he needs to, when his number's called. I mean, we haven't talked much about Harrion, but golly, he's, you know, really been a, a consistent um, just playmaker that's that is able to come in and can kind of change the tempo of things or, or pick up where Swift leaves off, you know, making a big play, whether it's uh, in the pass, uh, in the passing game, the short passing game, or you know, just making a big run when we need it. So all those little things will matter down the stretch. When you when you look in a nutshell with this offense, Rennie, what do you what do you see? Like, do do you see a need to panic, or do you see on the other extreme, don't worry at all, or something in between? Like this has been good enough, but it's got to get better. I see. I definitely see something in between. I mean, I, I think they're definitely doing what it takes to win. Like this is a, a gritty offense. They're not pretty by any means, but they get the job done when they need to. You know, they they know how to dial in, come together. They they've made the big plays. I mean, we're starting to see that more and more. The explosive plays are starting to uh, pick up. Um, you know, and it's it's just now getting into this stretch of the season, hitting it to a whole nother gear, making sure that we're consistently making those big plays and and um, really operating at a, at a high level. And I think once we, like now that we're getting to the, the stretch of the season, playing the uh, Texas A&M, getting ready to play LSU, is going to only elevate our abilities because we know what's at stake. Like it's just, you know, you're getting closer to the end of the season. So uh, I, I feel like everybody is going to um, really just dial in when it comes to that, knowing, knowing that, hey, we've only got, us, but so many opportunities left, and I, I think you know this offense is in a good place. Yes, they've had their struggles, but I think they're in, in you know on the right track, and we've got the talent, man. That's at the end of the day, we, we've got the talent. Um, we got a good leader in Jake Fromm, so yeah, it's it's uh it's gonna be exciting to see. There, the the main cause for optimism, I think, for Georgia fans at this point is there is clear evidence over the previous two seasons that this head coach, very different coaching staff because he has two new coordinators this year, but this head coach and coaching staff, holdovers including like Del McGee, Sam Pittman, um, et cetera, and this quarterback, Jake Fromm, rise to the occasion in big games. They lay an egg during the regular season. They, they've laid an egg once each of the past regular seasons. They've got two more chances to lay one this regular season. I don't know that they will. But both times, 2017 and 2018 in the SEC Championship, they played very well. It was good enough to win easily against Auburn in 2017. 
it was not good enough to beat Alabama, but that was a game Alabama was heavily favored, and Georgia hung in there. And, well, Georgia actually had the lead, big lead, and then blew it, obviously. But that's what gives you confidence. You, you see an LSU team that looks unbeatable in so many ways, especially with the offense, but you look at Georgia and say, well, look, look at what we've seen from Georgia the last couple of years. Of course they can hang in there. And it gets back to what we've been talking about, like peaking at the right time. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and oh, that's a perfect point that you just made, how we show up in those games that really, really matter where everything's on the line. Um, this team just hits, hits another gear. I mean, they, they are they, – Jake Fromm is a gamer. Can't nobody take that away from yep. him. Uh, he shows up in the games. I mean, those big moments where we need a big play. Um, and, and so does Swift. So does the, the rest of the guys. Uh, the, the defense, when we need a turnover – uh, these these guys are playmakers, and uh, like you said, Kirby knows how to get these guys ready for the big games, for those big moments, to where they're peaking at the right time. They're they're locked in, they're focused, they're not becoming overwhelmed with the pressure of the the, the big stage. Um, so yeah, I, I feel very confident when I look at you know them against uh, uh, LSU or somebody who's highly ranked or whatever it is. I feel almost more confident with that than if they were playing kind of like a, a South Carolina or like one of those kind of um, kind of iffy teams if they're playing them earlier, some, something that's kind of out of whack. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I feel good for the rest of the season, man. And, and this game, I think, is, is going to be a big statement. I'll go even further on the point about that what this – that my optimism, Rennie, for Georgia going into the LSU game – and, again, we're, we're three weeks out. But my optimism for Georgia in that is based on 2017 and 2018. It's not really based on 2019. Because let's be honest, they haven't pummeled Florida and Auburn to death, and I don't. I mean, Florida and Auburn are top fifteen, top twenty teams, but I don't really think they're top ten teams. Um, Auburn's pretty kind of one dimensional, great defense, okay offense. Um, but Georgia has they they were able to do what they needed to do in those games. They didn't pummel Notre Dame either. the The teams they've pummeled are who. <laughs> Uh, Vanderbilt, Arkansas State, Murray State. Um, I mean, am I forgetting somebody? <laughs> you know, the, so whereas you've got LSU just pummeling teams. Um, they didn't quite pummel Ole Miss, but they beat Alabama very soundly, and then Alabama came back and made it a little tight at the end. Um, so you, if you look just at 2019 results, you say, well, LSU's a lot better. But when you look at recent history, you say between – Kirby Smart and Jake Fromm, you give this Georgia team a chance in December in Atlanta in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt, I think uh, just the fact that we're playing in Atlanta, you know, um, we're in front of our hometown fans. I mean, it's it just all those little little factors uh, matter so much, man. Being on that stage, like I said, we, we show up. This this team really shows up in those big moments, and they, they almost become a beast a different animal um so i i definitely think anybody who doesn't give georgia a chance or thinks that this is going to be just one of those uh, another game for lsu is uh fooling themselves you know that i really think they're going to come out firing at all cylinders that the offense is going to be you know the best that we've seen it um and and like i said it's when you talk about getting ready for those um big teams the lsu's of the world the, the bamas you know what you're going to get you know who their playmakers are you know uh 
you know, there's there's no surprises whatsoever. You know, they're going to come at you with certain things, with certain plays. And so it almost helps, you know, to clarify things when you're trying to game plan because there's, there's nobody that, you know, you have to kind of throw in a special package for or anything like that. Now, you know what you're going to get because they've been successful for a reason. It's because they've done a, a certain set of things. They have a certain set of tendencies. And typically teams like that don't don't switch up week to week. You know, they're sticking to their game plan. They're sticking to what's working. And you know in order to beat them, you're going to have to beat certain guys. And so I think that always provides like a, a clear, sound challenge that you can, you know, rise up to. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really feel good about us going into these next couple of weeks. All right. Well, um, that's it for me. Uh, I, I don't know if I want to try and drop an F-bomb in here. Uh, sneak one in like Kirby at the end <laughs> of the press conference. I think John Hayes, our producer, can edit it out. Uh, but eh, we'll keep it. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep it clean here. Um, now, when I have Jeff Schultz on, that guy you know curses up a storm, um, and some of them slip through. But uh, Rennie, you keep it clean, and I appreciate that. I try, man. You know, I'm going into schools and, and all that speaking, so I can't. Oh, yeah. really- you know, yeah, that. well, it's like, well, you've, I, I've got uh, young kids. I, I think you do too. It, 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 that's the, the thing that you have to really train yourself on. But they give you, the nice thing with kids is you get an adjustment period by having a baby. Um, because how old is it when they really start to understand you? Like a year and a half, two years? About, yeah, about three. Yeah, two, about, three. Yeah, two or three. They start that, repeating, yeah. Yeah, that gives you a transition period to, to clean your act up. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, not to throw my wife under the bus, but I think she's the one who needed to do the most cleaning. Um, my son, <laughs> I ac- like that. My, my son actually cursed once when I think when he was like two and a half or three, when he was first like learning words, because my wife said something, said the S word and he repeated it. And nice. I just looked right at her and I said, that's on you. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, we've been good since then for the most part. So. Anyway, I didn't have a problem. I thought what Kirby did was funny. I do get the people that say, look, this was a public forum. I think that thing was being broadcast live. There there might be kids listening. You know, you've got to watch it. You know, yeah, I, I get that. You know, but it was a one-off. If it was a one-off, he just did it once. He was emotional. He was happy. Fine. And I, I also say this as someone who, when I tweeted out the quote, I I, I spelled out the whole word. So I'm kind of, you know. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe you. <laughs> well, nobody protested it. Nobody I, – I got like – you know, there were – the the response on the Twitter sphere, I, I can just say the response to my own uh, tweet was like 99% positive. There was like one or two people who were like, oh, no, why, how, did, how could he say that? But no one was attacking me <laughs> as far as I know for – yeah, I mean, maybe somebody was somebody that I muted a long time ago. I don't know. When you mute someone, they you don't see their tweets at you, which is nice. Um, but I, I think a lot of that also had to do with people were just so happy uh, that you know when you win, you can do no wrong. So, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, it was. I mean, like I said, being in that locker room after a game, the emotions being high, you work so hard for moments like that. I mean, people don't realize how much time goes in preparation goes into these games how much energy and so when you finally get those moments man it's like you want to cut loose you want to have fun like that's that's what you miss most being a player is just those moments in the locker rooms where you 
you're sweating not because of what you did on the field, but because you celebrated so much, man. Mm-hmm. Like we, we've had times in the locker room. I, I talk about this when I go out and, and speak, um, just about celebrating the wins, man. But we've had times where guys have literally, like coaches have literally passed out from celebrating, <laughs> and uh, you know it's just like so much fun. That's what what makes it special, man. So I, I get it when he comes out and, and he says something like that. It's because your guard's down. You know, you can finally. Uh, kind of relax, man, because you're so uptight in those games. Every, especially a game like that, a major robbery game where every single play matters. Um, it, it's such a relaxing for you when you can come at, back into that locker room, celebrate, and then you know you get to the press conferences where it's like you can take take off that mask <laughs> and kind of take off the you know the the pressure feeling that you have from the game and, and every single play you kind of cut loose. And I think that's uh, you know that's what we saw there. Yeah, I mean, we ask as media people for these people to be as honest as they can. I mean, I understand keep some stuff in the locker room. And I think, you know, people, players that, you know, have lately been recording their coaches, I think an LSU person did this, um, have been recording, like, their coaches post game thing and, and putting it out there on Instagram or whatever. I think that's, I you know, I think that's breaking the sanctity of the locker room. I, I, I get that. But we want these people to be as honest as possible with us uh, when they come and speak to us and I'm not going to get mad at somebody for, for being that way. You know, don't, don't ask them, you know, don't get mad at, at coach speak and, and, you know, just taking it one day at a time cliches. And then when they turn around and are honest, get mad at them too. You know, I mean, yeah, if that's the way they feel, absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm glad I, I like, you know, I like seeing the honest emotion. Same here. I mean, that's that's what makes the game fun. Is like I said, what I mean. Of course, you gotta gotta control it. Can't can't be like our our dude Miles <laughs> couldn't it lose that. But overall, I mean that that emotion, man, that excitement. Um, you know, all those things are part of the game and what makes it fun and and uh, what makes it you know SEC football, man. So. All right. Well, Rennie, um, it's been a pleasure and. Yeah, I think damn was the worst word that we said, and I think I said it. So you did. You're in the clear. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, any uh, parting parting words or parting shots or or parting expletives on your part, Rennie? Nah, no no expletives. uh, But just shout out to the Bulldog Nation. Uh, Shout out to this team for the work that they're putting in. I'm excited to see how they kind of put things together this week and. You know, start or continue to build that momentum. I think we're in a we're in a good place, man. And we still always have room to grow, room to improve, and, and whatnot. So I'm sure they're going to be um, looking at that today, if 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 not today, uh, tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm excited to see where this team is going to go. All right. Well, going to be an interesting several weeks and, and lead up to another Georgia appearance in the SEC championship game. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the damn, that's all, damn good podcast. The effing good podcast, if anybody wants to say it. Uh, and I'll be back with Jeff Schultz later in the week and, and with Rainy uh, later. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face.